To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome everyone to Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast with no direction. What's up, everybody? You know the song, you know the voice. Welcome to 2023. It's your boy, Rook. Joining me, as always, is the man who keeps me in check. It's Mr. Don Moore. Hey, everybody. I keep you in check, but I was 30 minutes late the last time we met up. (laughs) (laughs) And joining us today, talking about his book, In Hell, is Galata. Welcome to the show. Yes. Uh, hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, nice to meet you. Nice to be here. Thank you very much for the space, for the opportunity to uh, yeah talk about my, to, to peddle my wares here. Thank you. <laughs> First off, I want to say what an amazing art style you have in this book. It ranges from uh, like Coop to some anime-esque to just, I mean, just wild, wild art style. I got to ask first and foremost, where did you, where do you pull inspiration from, from the art yeah. style to begin with? Yeah. Like, uh, where does it come from? Yeah. I, 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 um, well, thank you very much. First of all, I'm glad you, you sort of find it interesting. You enjoy it. I, um, I do make it sort of a point to try to seek out, uh, you know, to, to develop an, a, a eclectic tastes to have, a uh, very different things to pull from. I I think that the most beautiful thing in the world is the the you know to have worlds collide, to have the clash between worlds, between uh, ideas, between philosophies, between yeah art styles. So of course then the the final product has to feel coherent and cohesive, and uh, it has to feel you know like uh, everything belongs together, and that's a bit of a challenge. But yeah, I like uh, stuff from all over. Uh, of course, uh, Japanese animation and manga and all of that is very important to me. Uh, comics from the United States. Uh, a lot of uh, my influences also come from Europe, from, you know, uh, what they call uh, uh, bande dessinée, uh, you know, the the French comics, the Franco-Belgian comic yes. tradition. Yeah, like uh, stuff like Tintin and things like that. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I am also a very big uh, cinephile, so uh, I try to, a lot of my compositions and a lot of the, the things I try to do with uh, with how I lay out my my panels comes from that. So those are some examples that, that come to mind, yeah. yeah. You know, when you were, were talking, sorry, Rook, when Rook was talking about your style, I was really surprised because um, it has a 1920s art deco yeah yeah (laughs) and it also one there's a lot of different influences you can see on it but it has a very 1950s united states look and um i see a lot of japanese manga in it i was really surprised um i've actually never seen anyone that worked this way and I was wondering, you kind of answered the question already, but I just wanted to elaborate. I found it staggering. 
do you perhaps uh, are you perhaps familiar with the work of uh, Al Colombia? I've heard the name, but he's a he's a comic book artist from from uh, from America that uh, likes to uh, combine a lot of you know Fleischer. I, I think I'm cor uh, pronouncing that correctly. Fleischer or Fleischer, you know the Popeye. Yes, uh, my, my absolute favorite. Yes. Yeah, I, I love that stuff. Of course, I love uh, things like Felix the Cat and early Disney stuff. Yeah. But he likes to do a really uh, horror things with it, with macabre things with it. He he did a book that impressed me very very much some years ago called uh, Pim and Francie, and where oh, you have yes. yeah that sort of nightmare vision of uh, yeah the 20s uh, 50s all, all of that uh, st animation and it yeah it had a big impact on me so uh, uh, that explains a little bit of that uh, I think that the combination of the sort of innocence and the very playful sort of rubbery look toy toy like book uh, look of that stuff you know yeah. uh, to have it combined with fantasy and with horror with horror elements I think it, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty potent. I, I I like that mix. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it, as you're saying that, I'm looking at his art and I'm going, yeah, yeah, I see the influence there too. Uh, it just you have just a stunning amount of variation between background and foreground with the characters. It just like I could visually look at this book all day long, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then you're adding in the story, uh, so. Are, your characters are waking up in hell and just basically just kind of go at each other in a way, you know, especially <laughs> Johnny. Johnny just, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I got to tell you, I dislike Johnny highly. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's pretty under, understandable. Uh, so I take it that you uh, that you've read the, the first chapter then. Yes. 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 Yeah. Thank you so much for sending it to us. Uh, yeah, I've read I've read through it and I've actually got it up on the computer now so that I can I can go through it and look at it as we talk. And, you know, that's why when you mentioned Al Columbia uh, that I went and looked and I'm like, oh, yeah, I see that influence now, too. I, I uh, see the influence on it. and I am familiar with the man's work. I just didn't put the name to it. But you're not copying him. You're your own 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 person. Uh, well, first of all, I, I have to say I'm, I'm really so happy to uh, because I get the, the feeling that you two, uh, uh, at least on some level, enjoyed uh, the, the first chapter. Uh, really, really glad for your support and everything. So first of all, that's yeah, big, big thank you. Uh, the way I work is that I try always to um, assemble, you know, uh, my influences, my my references, my sort of goals for the page, for the for the or for the chapter, and I try to articulate them very carefully because that's a way for me to sort of uh, try to better grapple with the merit of what I'm doing, you know, because uh, it's it's very easy when people try to say that hey I'm not copying anyone I'm just doing my own thing. The, the most of the time what they're actually doing is that they are emulating someone they just don't uh, perhaps realize. So I think that if you sort of articulate what your influences are, it's a very good way to then uh, make a conscious effort to uh, add something concrete to it, to, not just to be a wannabe Al Colombia or a wannabe someone, 
but to try to yeah uh, carve out a, a space for for yourself so that's a big part of it as for as for Johnny and the, yeah I, I really understand <laughs> disliking Johnny but uh, <laughs> you know uh, very often people don't realize but most stories actually are the work of the villain you and know he, yeah very true very true like think think of how much how many stories have basically reactive heroes and proactive villains yeah. like the, the the heroes would be very happy to just uh, have uh, the status quo continue and they're very glad to have things remain the way they they were it's often the villain that is the the motor the 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 thing that's happening and the the actual center of the story so i wanted to have a story where the heroes are actually very proactive but i did want to sort of emphasize that sort of villainous uh, very uh, aggressive initial uh, impetus of you know being just completely egocentric completely just uh, in the case of Johnny, it's just that he's uh, horny, you know. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah, that's for sure in the first, in the first chapter. <laughs> um, could you tell us about, as we started talking right off the bat, uh, explain yeah. what we're talking about, the book, and what it's about to the listeners. Yeah, we sort of jumped ahead a little bit. Um, we do that. <laughs> we did, yeah. It, to, to just give a very, uh, very succinct, uh, to try and give a very succinct uh, pitch, the idea is that uh, the story follows six teenagers that are rather archetypical teenagers, you know, the rebel without a cause. Then you have the, the sort of sports jock. You have the nerd. You have a girl that's uh, very artistic, sort of a, a bit of a hippie. You have uh, uh, what else? Well, you have many such characters and they awaken in this sort of strange other place, sort of surreal uh, world, uh, a sort of uh, mist-covered uh, beach in a white ocean. And uh, they are then informed that they have died and that this is hell and that sort of the, their damnation starts now. And from that revelation comes, you know, it, it sort of animates, it uh, spurs the group into conflict and many things happened. And uh, as the story develops in future chapters, they will have sort of this adventure where they grow to sort of fantastical creatures uh, within uh, within this uh, strange uh, magical dimension that's called hell. So that's that's the general idea. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's fascinating to see the way you've designed the the hellscape. Let's call it uh, because it's not that prototypical. You know burning fire everything's you know horrible darkness it's it's white it's bright uh you know you have these multicolor uh rock formations in the background you, you know uh it, it it just it you don't over busy your background so you can concentrate on your characters and their their taught their conversation and their movement through your panels and thing, things get crazier as as they go on uh, the particular fight scene through uh, between Johnny and uh, the Jock character, uh, you're paneling there. You can you can see such movement in that, and yet you keep this white background for most of it. Very unlike what most people 
try to picture as or, or try to portray as a hellscape and it's it's fascinating to see the way you've done this and i, I i'm just i'm just fascinated by by where you're going to go with this and how how many chapters do you intend on with this have you figured that out yet have you, uh, do you is this whole thing written or is this in process uh yes well um really really glad to hear you enjoyed it that that aspect of it the background is uh, i wanted to be sort of a the way the the reason why it's uh, so sort of minimalistic at the start is that i wanted to actual actually to develop it as the story goes on and it becomes a pretty actually a, a pretty busy pretty uh, complex pretty fantastical space as the story goes on the story is actually uh, pretty uh, i have a pretty detailed uh, uh what's the word a pretty detailed uh, outline yeah outline yeah that's right uh, outline of the story i have it said to be more or less 200 pages long uh, divided into two two books so the third uh, the first uh, 30 pages uh, that's the first chapter that's what i uh, did my kickstarter uh, uh, recently for which was uh, thankfully uh, successful. Uh, now I have the the first chapter available uh, through my website, along with other books. But uh, yeah, I have everything planned uh, out. I, I I try not to, you know, uh, set a, a everything in stone beforehand and discover it as I go along. But yeah, it's it's pretty well planned planned out. As for yeah, the the character of the you could call it the character of the background. Uh, I could I can share something that uh, about the, the the logic behind why it's so dominated by white. You have a white sky and a white uh, ocean that surrounds the sort of a tiny island uh, of sand and rocks where the characters are are do their thing. And it's I, I wanted to have it be you know the the blank uh, the blank page. To have it really feel like like uh, the start of the story is also just a blank slate, a white page, and as and as the story develops, yeah, that will uh, pretty dramatically change and grow. But I want you to sort of have to be able to grasp the logic, uh, or or rather to at least grasp that there is some sort of logic as the story goes on and the background becomes more and more you know, strange and more characters and creatures and plants and things like that uh, emerge. So, yeah. Right. OK, I get what you're saying. So so really, with the with the design of the background, it's like the blank slate of a new story of a, of a new existence for these characters. Then uh, that's brilliant. I, I really like the way that you're looking at that. And and I, I, I can't wait to see where you go, because uh, these page the pages where you fill in where you know you start going through the various like sins uh according to hell and everything i, I mean <laughs> you fill those pages up um and it's just it, it's it, it you can see that you have an amazing art style that is just going to blow people away as it continues you know at the minimalistic beginning to the change and altering of everything, I, I'm, I, I really can't wait. It, it's going to be fascinating to see because where, where this ends, and we're not going to say it because I want you all to go to the website, get the book, and check this out yourselves. Uh, 
where it ends, you know, you're just sitting there like, okay, wait a minute, now what? <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a cliffhanger, yeah. Well, yeah, it's sort of a so- soft uh, cliffhanger, I hope. Uh, I, I, I dislike sort of uh, really manipulative stuff. Uh, uh, I actually like Stephen King, but uh, the way that he uh, mechanically inserts uh, small cliffhangers every couple of pages it sort of irritates me so yeah uh, I, I, yeah <laughs> yeah i know what you mean <laughs> but yeah uh if you uh, I, normally my work is pretty dense visually I, I have two other books that were actually part of this campaign two previous books two previous graphic novels uh, that are actually science fiction rather than fantasy and if you uh, if uh, um, you take a look at them uh, at the samples available of them in my website you see that normally my work is you know chock full of detail uh, lots of colors lot, lots of shapes and uh, yeah that's pretty much the inevitable destiny of uh, the in hell saga as it uh, as it goes forward yeah i've seen i've looked that up before we we spoke i've seen uh, some of the work could you talk about that a little bit because it is different than what you're showing us on this project. Yeah, uh, I have two books available in my website. Uh, one of them is called uh, Secret Reunion in Carfax Lodge. That's a rather big graphic novel, almost uh, 300 pages long. It took me a long time. It was my first work. And uh, the second one is called uh, Not Freak Squeal. A pretty uh, strange title that sort of uh, references as the, the, the sort of not is a reference to uh, uh, I don't know if you know one of the, the recent uh, uh, anime films of uh, Evangelion. You know yeah. they have sort of that sort yeah. of pattern on the title. Yeah. So uh, both of them are science fiction. They are science fiction stories set in a very very distant future, and uh, you have. Uh, uh, the way I like to sum them up is that they're the strangest version of Dracula that you will ever face. Mm. Like they're they're very much uh, they're they're a combination of so many ideas and so many things, but they everything orbits sort of the basic outline of the story of Dracula, which is very important to me. And you have this sort of uh, romance at the heart of it between two uh, werewolves, two artificial werewolves in the distant future. And they sort of steal a world uh, in order to to fuel a sort of dreamland for them, a sort of a strange dreamland that they are going to share as a couple. And uh, that sort of a, more or less gives you an idea. It's, they're pretty, pretty strange. They're, they're very hard to uh, <laughs> Very hard to describe, but uh, I'm very, very proud of them. And uh, yeah, I hope to be able to introduce them to, to people uh, in a future, I don't know, maybe make do a, another Kickstarter just uh, just focusing on them. So now, are these available uh, for people to purchase now or are they from the past and you're going to want to start it over again? No, they, they are available. They are uh, actually I have uh, physical copies available. Yeah. I've just had uh, so far a very difficult time uh, selling them. Yeah. Uh, I have managed to sell a couple uh, of hundred, hundred copies, but uh, it's been a real struggle. So yeah, uh, but they that's, are available. Yeah. yeah, that's something we talk about a lot. Is um, there's a lot of stuff 
you know, music, uh, film, books, stories, um, comics, but it's not out to a general audience like it would have been in the past. You know, before you went to the bookstore, you went to the record store, you found things on the radio. Now it seems like there's a lot more, but a lot of the people, most of the people we've ever had on the show, I'll be honest, all the people we've had on the show, I wasn't aware of anybody's project till we spoke to them. Mm. Um, there's a lot of work out there, but um, I really enjoyed your work and it's it's unique and it's good. Um, you really like the surreal. Um, when we're talking about your project in hell, how many pages are these going to be and is it going to be consistent all the way through as you continue to do it? Well, uh, uh, yeah, I, I have I have more or less a plan to have uh, the total story be uh, around 200 pages, mm. uh, two volumes of uh, 100 pages. Uh, I uh, take it very, very seriously that uh, uh, many people in the recent campaign sort of uh, purchased a subscription uh, to my blog, and I plan to update them uh, weekly with the progress of chapter two. And uh, I, I will definitely need. I I haven't. I have yet to uh, abandon a project. They are very important to me. They become sort of my my religion in a way. My my they are my sort of my religion. And uh, yeah, they are very very important to me. And I certainly don't plan to. Even if I you know even if I couldn't make a dime out of it. I, there's no way that I would uh, ever abandon my work. You know, it's the right. it's it's what I'm it's what I live for. You know, uh, I, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it shows in there. Um, the one thing we haven't talked about, um, we it was discussed, I guess, last month or in November. You were wanting to come on the show for your Kickstarter, hmm. and we've been booked. We couldn't speak till then, and I do apologize for that. But you were concerned about your Kickstarter, you know, and we talked about it. Um, I was really happy because I was following it. You you exceeded your goal. What did you do to accomplish that? Yeah, I'm 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 very very happy about it as well. Of course, it was uh, a rather uh, modest uh, modest uh, goal, but it was, you know, for a very long time I've had a. Uh, great difficulties in reaching out to people and uh, just for example being here talking to you two it, it's, it's something that I would would never have done in the past so I've had a lot of uh, uh, sort of uh, work I, I've worked a lot to sort of grow out of some patterns of behavior that were you know not the best perhaps in the past and uh, yeah I'm, I, I, I set out I set out to 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 make the Kickstarter work, and I had really no idea. Of course, I have read uh, some blog posts about how to promote your Kickstarter yeah. and this and that. But uh, basically, what I did was just I just woke up every day and just uh, tried to think of new things to promote it. And um, it was a struggle, but I did manage to to push it, uh, you know, beyond uh, the minimal line. And yeah, it's it's something that's really important to me, and I I see it as the first step in a long journey. But uh, I'm I'm gonna persevere uh, 100%. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then to give a maybe a an advice to someone that wants to 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 do a Kickstarter, I think that's the core advice. 
is just not to give up and just to try something, you know, on a day by day basis. Just think of something to do that day and spend as much time as you can just doing it and do that every day. And I think uh, if you're if you have a project that is at least mildly interesting, you know, uh, I, I think that uh, that should be uh, enough to get you started. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, That's awesome. Congr yeah, congratulations on getting it. I was very happy when I saw that. that you Thank you. Goal Thank you. Actually exceeded it, which when we spoke before, you were very concerned. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. No. But the, you're selling on Inhale. There's physical copies available besides, I'm guessing, digital? Mm, not for the moment. Not yet. Oh. Uh, I want to sort of uh, say that uh, at times, you know, I buy a book and books, of course, are very beautiful, but I, then I end up uh, downloading it digitally just to have it on the computer because it's more practical. Uh, there's also the benefit of, you know, if you have a big screen, you can look at it in the big screen and it's just more of a, a spectacle. And the colors, even with the best printing, uh, you know, C CMYK just yeah. can cannot reach the, the full spectrum of R R RGB, you know, the digital colors. So there are some pros to it. Of course, uh, hopefully by the time I reach the, the, the final chapter, I, I will have managed to gather enough of a following that I can, you know, uh, print them because of course I want them to, to be physical uh, eventually. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, I noticed in the beginning of the book, yeah, you, you put up a thing, very important, make sure you go to the two-page spread. What made you design primarily in two-page spread for your for your pages? Was that just something visually striking that you wanted to do? Because uh, many of these, I mean, they, they, they cross the panels yeah. uh, and everything interacts with, with each page. Was that forethought or was that something as you were working on it you were just like okay i'm just going to keep going into the next page <laughs> yeah i'm 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 happy to to answer this question because uh, yeah it's something very important to me uh, one artist in particular that i really admire uh, you know the god of manga uh, osamu tezuka yes he he really was very interested in in comic books on a formal level you know, uh, to the, the shape of the panels, the way he, he used the space, the way he composed everything. You could sense that he was very eager to do uh, great things uh, in the medium, not just uh, to have uh, th interesting things happen in the story, but to have perhaps maybe a page that is interesting, even if you don't know at all what is going on with the story or you haven't read it so far. I think that... Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of comics that are not very, uh, as there are, you know, many films also that are not very interesting on a formal level. But I think that in order to take full advantage of a of the format, the first thing that comes to mind is just to to have it be, a, you know, a collection of paintings, and to have the collection of paintings, you know, assembled into something that that looks like a painting, that looks like a piece. So it's very important for me to have every uh, spread function 
as a spread, even if there's a lot of tiny panels within it, or even if there's a clear distinction between one page and the other, to have it, uh, when you're reading the book, you open it and you want to, I want to give the reader something cool to look at uh, that, that function that, that way. So yeah, that's very important. Hmm. Yeah, that's what Rick talked about. I, I said that if you're reading this on a device, you want to hold it horizontally, you know, so you have the whole landscape two pages at a time. That's um, a criticism I have with digital comics is the best way to view them is one page. But a lot of comic books, especially the ones from the, the Silver Age of the United States, had a lot of two page spreads. And yeah. that's completely diminished because all of a sudden it shrinks it down, you lose the impact. And uh, yours, even though you're setting them up as typical pages, on there, nothing about your work is typical, but you know what I mean? They're standard pages. <laughs> But you did want them read side to side. And when I saw that, I that's what I did. I had them on my tablet. I flipped them over. Oh, yeah, look at that. They, they do join together. Uh, it flows quite well. Um, and, and hopefully then you can you can zoom in and you can and it can be, you know, amusing to to move around in them. Of course, uh, uh, another option would be to use a widescreen monitor, you know, uh, that also would work, but I understand that there's something pleasant about having something uh, in your hands, in your lap. So, 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 yeah. But I wanted to to make sure to include that note uh, right at the start. Yeah. Well, you can't take your computer and lay on the couch at the same time. So that's why we invented tablets. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I noticed one of your characters. I was going to ask about this. You designed him to look like a very tall version of Doctor Osama Tezuka. A very tall, yeah, there's, I, I see what you mean. Uh, that wasn't really uh, on purpose, but I see what you mean with the, with the little, uh, yeah, maybe that was uh, unconsciously I was thinking of him, but uh, yeah, he has a very uh, recognizable look like uh, Osamu Tezuka, the way he, he dressed and the way he, uh, he drew himself. Yeah, yeah, uh, you mean Dexter, right? That he, he sort of looks a bit like him. A little bit, a little bit. Um, but I've seen cartoons of himself. You know, he draw himself in the stories. Yeah. And he always had the, the beanie hat, you know, the I don't know what you call it, but he dressed the same way. And I thought, is that Tezuka? And when you mentioned it, I thought, okay. But I didn't realize that was unintended. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was uh, unconsciously I was thinking of him, perhaps. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a lot of animation. Um, now, you have mentioned the uh, Franco-Belgium books like Tintin, but uh, what else are your influences? Because I can see a lot more than what you're talking about, what you mentioned to us. Well, I have uh, the in the promotional materials for the for the campaign, the way one one of the things I set up was that it was a combination of Beetlejuice, you know, the Tim Burton film with uh, uh, The Breakfast Club that other very yeah. famous film, and then drawing a little bit of uh, Super Sentai, you know, things like the Power Rangers uh, yeah. series, that sort of team team superhero dynamic. Uh, of course, the team superhero dynamic will only become uh, apparent as the story goes on. Uh, but yeah, I have a lot of uh, the big, big influence, the, the, the huge influence over all my work uh, on, I mentioned Dracula before, but sort of the story behind Dracula would be, you know, the story of uh, Satan, 
Mm. And the, the main place where, and of course, there's many, Johnny for sure feels a bit like a satanic figure. That's that's very much on purpose. But the, the, main, uh, the main thing that I suspect most of my life will be spent doing is sort of retelling uh, or expanding uh, Milton's uh, Paradise Lost. You know, the the poem, the epic poem. Yes. I I discovered it uh, some time ago and I every week I read it and I try to memorize passages of it because I admire it immensely. It just it's just for me, it's just uh, the greatest work of art humanity has ever created. And uh, and I it's not just that 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 poem that Paradise Lost is so beautiful. But it's also that for me, it functions as the story behind all stories. Yes. So so whenever I see, you know, like, uh, I don't know, West Side Story, and I see the, the warring factions in New York, I think, oh, there's they, there's another facet of the fallen angels from Paradise Lost. And uh, all the time I sort of think of everything as if Paradise Lost was just, you know, the, the origin of all the stories. So that's that's a huge, huge influence. And and I, I do try to emulate a lot of what he does with his poetry, with my pictures, but it's it's not a one-to-one -one translation because the mediums are so so different. But I have a, a couple of quotes from him from 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 the poem in the in the first chapter of In Hell. Yes. That was bugging me. I knew I knew that. <laughs> I'm not exactly the smartest sometimes, and I was looking at some of those, and I'm like, I know that line. <laughs> he is the smartest. He just tries to play it like he's not, so nobody who goes. Yeah, like, okay. Well, that's pretty smart, you know. To <laughs> <laughs> but um, you, I have to admit, I'm really impressed. You have a wide range of inspirations and stuff that you you've been exposed to. Um. I mean, massively, and which it shows in your work. I've always heard this, that sometimes when people do comics, they, they love a certain creator so much that they emulate their work, which, you know, we all try to do. We just aren't successful at it. But some of them, I've heard that, and they always, I'm always told later, it says, don't be influenced by one person. Be influenced by hundreds of people. And it becomes your own work, which is absolutely what you've done. I'm really surprised at the range of what we've talked about in this short amount of time. Oh, thank, thank you very, very much. I, of course, everything, uh, all the meaning of every, the, the way I, I state things is that, you know, uh, they, they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Of course, uh, I think everything is the in the eye of the beholder. Uh, I'm sure that, uh, of course, it's very pleasant uh, talking to you and, uh, you know, having this very flattering image of myself. Uh, I really <laughs> enjoy uh, talking with people that appreciate what I do. It's not every day that I do it. But, uh, yeah, of, uh, a lot of people I don't know would uh, label it uh, artsy and pretentious, I'm sure. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I try to, the way I look at it with the influences is that, uh, we have accumulated so many great things as a species and uh, there's really no excuse to 
if you're going to watch something, you can just watch or read or consume a masterpiece. There are too many to 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 really go through in a lifetime. So I, I try to I try to do that with, you know, with literature, with poetry, with cinema, with even with uh, video games, because there's there's, you know, clear masterpieces in, in video games already, yes. even if it's such a young medium. And uh, a lot of people, what they do is that, for example, they just like one thing and one great thing. And they, they and then they go to all the wannabe or lesser copies of that thing. And it's it's a bit it's sort of a shame. I think it's better to develop more of an omnivorous uh, attitude, you know, so more of a large uh, palette. I don't know. Yeah. Well, don't you think that's because so many people find comfort in what they in a particular style, a particular uh, genre and subject, they find comfort in it. So they'd never really move around and see what else is out there. Um, And that that's that's really a shame. Uh, Like you said, there's so many. So many beautiful things out there for different genre, and, art, and and movies and games. Uh, you know, um, and you, you know, a, an idea just popped into my mind when you say that said that because take the example of Star Wars. Uh-huh. Star Wars is this massively popular franchise, and you know maybe it's gonna be. I, I don't want to offend you too, but I think it's Star Wars is two good films. The first and the second are are good. Already Return of the Jedi, I'm really not crazy about. But if you if you go into all the influences that are present in in Star Wars, it's crazy. It's there's a huge world of influences and and things within it. So you could tell all those people that enjoy Star Wars, hey, you know, you might enjoy Akira Kurosawa, the famous. You might enjoy uh, Lensman which is a series of novels and uh, there's a great uh, Japanese animated film about it. You might enjoy, you know, uh, a lot of Westerns or or semi-Westerns. Or things. There's, there's so much within it. So you would think that uh, those people would then jump into a lot of different worlds that are different. But a lot of them just stick to Star Wars and yes. watch a lot of really mediocre Star Wars. <laughs> And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a big shame because yeah. within Star Wars, there's actually a huge world of things they could uh, then uh, jump into. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. Well, you're absolutely true. And especially uh, you mentioned Kurosawa. Um, for anybody who has watched Mandalorian and doesn't know, there's basically an entire uh, yeah. episode <laughs> in Mandalorian yeah. that you need to go and check out Kurosawa's work because it's almost shot for shot remake. <laughs> yeah, Kurosawa was the man. What I was going to talk about was um, my daughter. You know, I have a daughter, and she grew up on the Power Rangers. Um, she was two years old, and she would go into a pose and say, Pink Power Ranger. Because of that, I started watching the show with her to find out what she was seeing. And I was at a party, uh, a child's birthday party, and a lot of parents were talking all these kids are probably by this time three and four years old and they were bagging on the power ranger show and all the kids loved it but they said it's the same episode every time yeah a little bit of variation but 
you know, I mean, but the kids loved it. And then one of the mothers, um, she started explaining that it's familiarity. It says children need something familiar. And I mean, when you yes. watch them to my daughter, they weren't the same episode all the time. Things would happen in the show. You know, they was varied and the monsters were different. But I look back at the stuff I liked as a kid. When I see it now, yeah, I, I, it's not quite the same. But I think some people, you know, you're working a job, you're, you're living life. Um, no matter what you do in the world, there's all kinds of things all around you you can't control. But you can always go home and read your favorite, com favorite comic strips, watch your favorite TV shows. It's even, even though it's not as simple as, as the children's stuff, it's still, it's something you can go back to to be familiar. Um, so, I mean, that's not always a bad thing. And some people that like one thing, I think that's one reason why is they probably have too much in their life going on. That's <laughs> too varied. But no, yeah, yeah well, that's that's really understandable, and that's more within the logic of uh, what people call uh, entertainment. Yes. Uh, to have something reassuring, to have uh, there's this word uh, escapism, and I'm I'm I completely respect that, of course. I and empathize and, and with it. It's just that uh, yeah, I'm I'm more on the side of offering sort of a challenge. Right. I, I want to offer a, a challenge to people, you know. Yeah. No, and that's absolutely what it is. And when you did say some people may think your work is, what do you say, too artistic or too artsy? Artsy, yeah, uh, that's the word. It, yeah. it is artsy. I mean, and that's not a bad thing. I see it, and I am I was shocked. It, It's unique. But it's not. In the 70s, you know, there was Heavy Metal Magazine, which is something I loved immensely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and that's where I learned all the, the French cartoonists. Um, living in the United States, you're kind of limited. We had American comics, and all of a sudden, I never saw the European comics. I saw some Japanese TV shows, uh, cartoons, once in a while when I was younger. But uh, And I didn't know they were Japanese. I just thought, these are really neat. And then they kind of disappeared. Heavy Metal came out, and it was mind-blowing, but some of the stories in there weren't really stories. They were just an example of, let me lay out a few pages with this really immaculate artwork that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved it, but it was the same thing. There were some really good stories in it. Yours, you're pushing things. It is artsy, but it's telling a story. You have a, a purpose and a point to it. Um, I I was sorry it ended. Yeah, well, yeah, I I uh, I'm working very hard. Well, no, I'm I'm not working too too hard, right? Just right now, but I will be working very hard, and I will work in a very constant way to to keep it coming, you know, to and uh, and to keep it, you know, really surprising and. Uh, yeah, it will be more of something that uh, you look forward to, you know, like a horror film or like something that challenges you and that is pretty weird. But I do care deeply with this project in particular to have it be a proper story and to really have, a, especially in the coming 
chapters in the chapter two is all about uh, character development and all about how uh, more of the breakfast club dynamic that I, I alluded to, uh, you know, with very different characters that just become this sort of beautiful family. That sort of dynamic will be much more present in the second chapter. Of yeah. course, the first one was so it's pretty violent, it's pretty mean. But uh, yeah, having a story, having characters, having all that is is great. Of course, then you may feel a little bit constrained and you want to just do, you know, sequential art and do something really strange and do 2001 Space Odyssey says is something that I really love. But of course, uh, not, you know, to have a bit of variety is great. Right. Uh, talking about 2001, that's a movie I love. But they really shorted us on what was really going to happen. Because if you watch that film, it's supposed to be the future. Wide open spaces everywhere. They're on that spacecraft going to, you know, Jupiter. All the time in the world. All the space in the world. I mean, there's two people on that massive aircraft. It looked like they were sitting in an airport terminal by themselves. <laughs> Everybody had plenty of time to go everywhere. And that's not what we got. We're crowded. We're busy. We're just... Machines didn't make things easier. They complicated things more. You, you know, yeah. you go away from work. Well, here's a beeper. Now you got cell phones. People call you 24-7. They can call you in the yeah. car. They can call you in the bathroom. They call you everywhere you go. So I have a problem with Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick because you sold us a bill of goods that did not occur. Anyway, that's a sidebar, and I apologize. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, and we, we even got the... Recently, we have, you know, we now have very proper jetpacks. We have jetpacks. We can yeah. fly. But, you know, uh, I'm not going to try one of those. I'm going to get killed on them. So, yeah, it's sort of a, yeah, they, they unrealistic expectations sort of set, set out also. Right. Well, the jetpacks we have aren't the jetpacks we were promised. <laughs> hey, mm, hey. I, there's some really cool ones. Yeah, the pro problem is, is some idiot like me gets a hold of it, and yeah, I'm going to do some dumb stuff. <laughs> End up plastered on a building somewhere like a flight black. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. I, I would uh, get killed on one of those uh, in record time, I think. Yeah, well, it is kind of a scary prospect. Um, I do have another question on your artwork. How... What medium are you using to create this? Are you doing this, you know, on pen and paper? Are you doing it digitally or a mixture of both? No, it's 100% uh, uh, Adobe Photoshop with a tablet, with a Cintiq uh, oh, tablet, you, you know. You I, directly on there. I, I draw directly on that. I, I do care about giving it an organic look. Right. So I use some brushes. Uh, the brushes I use, they, they all, uh, I, I wanted to give it yeah, that organic look to the line. It's right. pretty laborious, actually, to do that. But yeah. uh, but uh, very important to me to to have it feel that way. And uh, yeah, I, I used to work on, on paper, of course, right. but it's just uh, so much more practical. And, and you can do a lot more, uh, you know, you can be a lot more bold because you're not afraid of making mistakes or, or this or that. So yeah, Adobe Photoshop. Right. I, I was thinking originally that you were drawing on pen and paper and then scanning it in and, and instead of inking it on paper, you were redrawing it on the computer. Hmm. It has um, 
as you mentioned, an organic feel to it, but it also has a very polished feel to it. But a lot of times I've seen, I'm talking about laymen, not, not professional cartoonists, because I know a lot of them use, use tablets and work that way. But a lot of times I see people I know trying to draw on a computer, it comes out really stiff and mechanical. Uh, whereas yours, it is, it is very free flowing, even though it's polished. So that's interesting. I didn't know you were doing it that way. It may be just the it may be just the the difference because between uh, you know there's tablets where you draw on the tablet but you look at the screen. Yes. But the modern uh, Cintiqs, the modern tablets, you can directly draw on the screen, and you really have a lot of you know many many levels of. Uh, it's it's a very sensitive surface. It's not like uh, any regular touch screen. So uh, it feels pretty much the same as as, as drawing on paper. Uh, it may be th that may be the part of the explanation why it's uh, stiff. It's also just a matter of getting used to it, of course. Right. You you say that, and I sit here in front of my tablet, which I have tried to draw on multiple times, and I can't get anything like this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, I slaved away. For, for decades trying to learn to draw. Right. So yeah, that, that may be the, the, the missing ingredient. Well, I, mean, yeah, oh. look, I went to art school and everything, and like I, oh. I do some very wild stuff in Photoshop. I can't do this in Photoshop. Oh, um, well, no, no, but that's okay. I can't do, I'm, I'm sure that this I, is... I couldn't do exactly what you do or why everyone's unique that way, right? Oh, yeah. And, and it's fast. I mean, like, I'm, I'm zooming in now on panels and stuff going, holy cow, this is Photoshop? I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I, I will say, looking at your work, you have a, a very flexible imagination and yet a very tight drawing style. That's, that's uh, the French call it... Uh, I, I went to art school as well many, many years ago. I was fortunate enough to be able to go uh, to, to a French art school, actually. Well, more than an art school, it was a drawing school. Okay. You know, illustration, anatomy, perspective, things like that. And uh, over there, they call uh, the, the style uh, ligne claire, which means clear line. Yes. Um, Okay. Tintin, Tintin is supposed is, is, is uh, by Hergé is called is is in that style. Yeah. I, I I I just like it. Uh, I just care very much about it being very precise. Right. And uh, yeah, to be able to enjoy uh, the details, they have to be, you know, very precisely articulated, where where you have everything neatly done. And there's many great many amazing uh, comic book artists that have a, a much more loose, much more, uh, you know, uh, spontaneous style, uh, mainly with the inking, because it demands for you to do, you know, uh, if you if you're going to get the uh, tense lines with inking, you have to go at it often very energetically. Yes. But uh, a big, uh, you know, the computer allows for a lot of uh, things that maybe would be uh, really 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 difficult uh, on paper and one of them is just to, to to be able to zoom in on something and to just make certain that everything is just uh, is just right uh, uh, yeah i care a lot about precision yeah 
<laughs> it shows. It yeah. really shows. I mean, I, like like I said, I'm over here zooming in and out on panels, and I'm just I'm fascinated now knowing like if you would have said this was illustrator i i would get that that's what i was thinking too mm. yeah but this is all photoshop uh, this is fantastic i mean you just you just went you you were already a step above in this <laughs> style and now knowing that you're doing this in photoshop i'm this is yeah oh yeah when you really zoom in you see the brush stroking line and everything oh wow no, I'm really, really glad that you enjoy it. Uh, actually, uh, in my previous work, uh, not Freak Squeal, what I what I try to do with the details is that uh, there's this uh, artist, uh, Japanese artist called Takashi Murakami. Yes. And he's a really, really, really big deal. He's the kind of guy that sells paintings for, uh, you know, uh, uh, millions and millions of dollars and things like that. But uh, I really, really like what he does because he does these paintings that look a little bit at times like something out of uh, Where's Waldo, you know, where there's a lot of details everywhere. But what he does is that he crams really, really interesting ideas and reflections into many of the tiny details. So, for example, uh, he has in one of his paintings, one of the, his figures has highlights you know the little white dots of, of uh, reflected light but mm -hmm. he does them with black instead of doing it with white mm -hmm. and if you go into everything that's behind the, the philosophy and the ideas of his work it's a huge deal it's it's this huge idea that is just hidden within a little corner of one of his paintings as a detail and I find that really just absolutely delicious. And I more so in not freak squeal than in in hell. But I want to, you know, for for the detail to be very controlled, where there's no uh, superfluous detail, where there's no, you know, uh, excess. But for the detail that is present to have it, you know, not just be something that is visually pleasant, but that is that you can actually discover ideas and you can discover little things uh, within that. So to, to give just an example, uh, often the trail of smoke from Johnny's cigarette, it often, uh, you know, has some messages within it, uh, yeah. some ideas or some sort of dynamic where it, uh, for example, it looks a bit like a snake or it, looked, it looks a bit like, you know, a spiral or it looks a bit like a, a number yeah. six or it looks a bit uh, like this or like that or or where you have other elements that are sort of similar to it but not quite the same so there's a lot of ideas that i try to to put into many many of those that kind of details and yeah they, i'm very much inspired by by takashi murakami in that sense because yeah i, I love uh, being able to wander inside a picture and to to be able to find things within it yeah, right. that's that's really quite delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I I know what you're saying because I I did notice that that the 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 smoke trail it gives a lot of movement through pages um, as he's talking as he's moving around and things. Um, another detail I noticed that uh, is the chains. 
Yeah, the, the chains, chains. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the chains are there in the beginning of the of the book, and you don't really notice them. And as you go on, they get more and more prevalent until uh, we get to the final panels and things. Uh, it's you know, it's a bit of foreshadowing that you you're not really paying attention to. And for for one moment, I was like, well, why do these chains keep showing up? And then at, and then it's like, oh, OK, now I know why. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah, your your work is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, looking over on your website um, for the samples you have there uh, for Not Freak Squeal. Uh, yeah, it, definitely. You there's so much visually to look at on these on these pages as well. There's so many little things to focus in on and then draw your eye across your page a absolutely a masterwork of movement and that's one of the things i gotta say each page has a lot of movement and, and energy to it that's one of the things i really enjoy truly yeah well i i really enjoy uh you know uh <laughs> being you know sh showered with compliments this way of course <laughs> of course I can't say that I've uh, experienced it too often, but yeah, really, really, really happy that again, 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 that that you enjoy it. I uh, not freak squeal is actually I, I made a big effort to print it, the printed versions of the books. You know, I made a big effort to print them in a way that uh, complements the the material. Like you want it to be, it's much bigger than a normal comic book. So that you get that sort of poster feeling and you get that feeling of being able to to fall into it a little bit and and to explore it. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, really, really happy that you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, amazing work. Now, where can everybody find you across the Internet? I know you're it seems like you're everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, all of it. Where can everybody find you as a jump point and then find find you everywhere else? I my main website is just uh, helada with a double a at the end so that's g e l a d a a uh, gelada or helada dot uh, com that's my hub that's the main thing that i want to develop of course i try to uh, direct people to it uh, across different uh, platforms and i try to you know tweet and post uh, Tumblr blogs and and uh, I I actually do have uh, some uh, YouTube videos you know video essays and the like uh, mm -hmm. both on my work and and some other things uh, there's one I'm happy about about one of the what I consider to be the best uh, Batman the animated series episode I made sort of a a video essay about it yeah. on YouTube but yeah if if people go to uh, uh, Galada or Helada Helada or Helada dot uh, com then they can they can sort of uh, uh, that can be a, uh, the best uh, jumping point i have a shop i have uh, uh, yeah many things there many samples if you register if you register your email uh, to the newsletter you get the first half of the first chapter of uh, in hell so that's that's fun i'm not uh, spamming anyone with ads uh, all the time uh, not at all uh, so yeah, that that would be the main place I would like to direct people to towards. Yeah, 
Uh, anybody listening, if you don't remember the URL he's given, it'll be on the blog, along with examples of, of what we've talked about. So uh, just go to bunchofdorks.com, click on the Cyclops, and you can see all the stuff from InHealth. Um, and anyone, if you like to draw, we always use fake comic book covers for the Facebook page and the Facebook group to announce a new episode. Um, we can't pay you for it because we have no money, but you'll live on an in infamy, and if you allow us to, we'll add it to the blog under the cover gallery. Uh, if you're any kind of musician, singer, performance artist, if you can put it on an MP3, we'd like to play it on the music break. Uh, we don't have a music break when we have a guest like tonight, but we normally do. People really enjoy these. Along with the drawings and the music, a lot of people, when they do send them in, they always say, I don't know if you like this. We've liked them all. You know, don't be afraid. Anyway, also, we have a T-shirt. Uh, we have actually three T-shirts. Uh, it's on the sidebar in the blog under merchandise. It's not to make us rich. <laughs> it's just to help us with the hosting fees. Uh, listen to the show. Wear the shirt. Rook? Everybody, go check us out, bunchofdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. You're going to find everything we talked about here and all of our past and future episodes. Until next time, everybody. Read more comics. You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click, click on, on the Cyclops. The True Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.